Hey, what's going on? Welcome to a Friday edition of The People's Show. Let's get it going. Bick Nazar running the show. Dominic Schmatty. Elon Chark behind the glass running the, the show from behind the glass in the control room. You can always be part of the show as well as we broadcast from the Kintec studio. Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at Kintech.net. You can chime in 650-650 into the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox. The smart alternative. Visit Dunbar Lumber on Bridge Street in Ladner or Arbutus in Vancouver online at DunbarLumber.com. Friday edition of the show, always busy. We got Big Six coming up in about uh, 20 minutes. Uh, Confession Fridays, you can get those submissions in to the Dunbar Lumber text message inbox as well. Uh, tag it with CF. Always appreciate when you do that. Friday football preview. Ron Toygo will join us as well today on the back end of the show. So it is a busy, busy edition on a Canucks game day, no less. Rafael Gafar will join us in a couple of moments here too. Uh, Canucks insider from the fourth period. As we uh, get ready for a Canucks game day versus the Kings. Uh, on a day like uh, you know, we were expecting some changes. Uh, apparently, in the next couple of days, they didn't come to fruition. Uh, Bruce Boudreau gets practice, gets some morning skate in, uh, so there's no changes on the coaching front for the Vancouver Canucks. You know, part of me also kind of wonders, and we'll get into this with Earth too, who will join us in just a few moments. But you know, we were talking earlier this week of professionalism and. You know, focusing on just doing your job. I wonder if that's part of the message you hear, why there haven't been, you know, traditional levers pulled where we see when when turbulence happens for teams. Oh, well, you can just let go of the coach. Because this is about building something bigger, obviously, for the executive group, moving towards, uh, you know, long-term culture change. And how much of this is short-term chaos to say, the people that focus on doing their job amidst turmoil, that's the group we want to focus around and build around. And the people that are motivated to help solve the problem, even despite the losses and despite where the season is going, you can tell who's still focused on doing things the right way, even though there is chaos around it. Is there something to be said about how this is going to play out for the next Three weeks, one week, six weeks into February of living in this environment with Bruce Boudreaux at the helm. Could he still be at the helm in February if they're playing 420 hockey that that long into the season? And what players are still mentally engaged that they can look at and say, that's the cluster of players we want to keep and retain and keep moving this forward. Obviously, there's other big picture things that you have to build towards, replenishing assets, draft picks, developing more capital and and turning more prospects into pros, getting that part of the system built up. But in the here and now, looking at the pro team, in this chaos, can something positive can come out of what the start of the season is. Uh, let's get into it with Irfan Gafar, who will join us uh, now from the fourth period. Canucks Insider in, in a busy week. Yeah, it's a game day, uh, but we're also getting ready for a couple of other things. Irf, what's going on? What's up? What's going on? Game day. 
game day, but also, you know, we'll, we'll get to game day in just a minute. But it's 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 the week before the World Cup, the weekend before oh, the World Cup, man. Thank you. Thank you. Finally, <laughs> someone that realizes there's an actual big sporting event to watch. <laughs> I'm. It, it took me a little bit to to get ready. I was more excited for the Canada games than I was the World Cup. And then and then we got through the Canada Japan match, and then it was like, all right, Sunday can't come here fast enough, and Monday can't come here fast enough either. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for World Cup and Euro. I'm a big soccer guy, obviously, as you know. But I think it's great. I mean, yes, everyone's gonna you know complain about Qatar and everything and whatever. But mm-hmm. once the once the games begin. I really do think people are going to once, once again fall in love with the game. And, you know, God forbid we lose Twitter and people won't get to complain about diving anymore, but hopefully that doesn't happen. But I'm excited, man. And, uh, you know, hopefully the Lions here, hopefully the three Lions can bring it home. Oh, my goodness. Uh, what, no, no respect for Canada to, to make it out of the group or something like that? I have respect for Canada, of course. <laughs> I, want my, I want the country that I was born in to do well. But I want England to win the World Cup. And I think there's a lot of people that are... are in that kind of mind frame, but they're just too afraid to say it. So I'll say it. That's fair. Uh, if you're if you're a Croatian and you're born in Canada and you've cheered on Croatia your entire life, and now Canada makes the World Cup, you're telling me you're not cheering for Croatia? No, of course. Uh, I get it. I get it. But it does open us, yourself up to some razzing as well. Uh, what do you think is going to happen on that's Monday? Not, that's not the first time. <laughs> uh, I think England's going to win. I think that the Netherlands will beat Senegal. And then I don't know what's going to happen in the U.S.-Wales game. Like, I want to say draw, just because you don't really know with the U.S. Yeah. Um, I, I, it, you know, the, the whole CONCACAF qualifying thing, it, it feels like the shine went yeah. off of a couple of teams. And then, you know, for, for Canada and Belgium, uh, I just look at that and, you know, I, I know Belgium kind of slipped up there uh, as well in, in their preparation. But just getting ready for that match, you know, what's your prediction of of how it looks? For Canada and Belgium? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, it depends what kind of Alfonso Davies you're getting, Mm -hmm. first and foremost. If you're getting a guy that's 110, 100%, he can go. And obviously, you know, there's a reason why he stayed back at Bayern to get the help and and obviously the the rehab from the best doctors in the world that are with his club team. Um, So... He's there, and obviously everyone saw the video that, that came out today that he said, you know, he's all right, and he said, I'm ready. So that's obviously a positive thing for this country. But it's going to be tough, right? Like, Kevin De Bruyne is one of, if not the best midfielder on the planet. Yeah. So, like, uh, Steven Estacio is going to have his hands full. Uh, I, I was making the point the other day that I, I almost prefer would have preferred to play Croatia first just because Belgium's so physically imposing. Like, even De Bruyne is so skillful and technical. Like, there's a physical component to his game that I think often gets overlooked. And then you look at the back line and, and then obviously yeah. Lukaku. It just feels like they're going to go in there, maybe get pushed around a bit. And, and look, maybe it's just a 1-0 loss or something like that. But just that step, in, step up in class is going to go like, oh, right, this is a different version of a squad. And I know they, they play physical teams in CONCACAF and more physical out of nasty in nature rather than just physically imposing. But I just wonder, like, that that hurdle is, to me, tougher than having to get mentally engaged versus Croatia for yeah. uh, minute one. I, well, I think it's the physical class, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Right? It's like, it's like they're not going to slide tackle you from behind. These guys are just going to impose their will on yes. you. They're going to push you. They're gonna, it's going to be the little different things. Like, Romelu Lukaku, he's going to be, obviously, 
you know, forcing his way at the Canadian center back. He's so, going to be able to lean on him know, to open up a crease that maybe wouldn't exactly. have been there against Honduras. But, like, but from for Canada's point of view, you can hold on. Like, the way that the Canadian midfield can move the ball up front and get the ball to their forwards, like, that counterattack, you yeah. know, that can be their advantage. Obviously, it's going to be a tough match. And, I mean, I'm really looking forward to watching it because as well as our 36 million people in this country, but... I think it's going to be interesting. I think that if you want to, if you want an opponent to test who you really are at the World Cup, why not play against one of the World Cup favorites? Precisely, and and it does feel like they're getting a lot of uh, underdog buzz, right? The sexy underdog buzz, and I, I guess that's what's going to happen when you top qualifying. Uh, but they they seem to be everyone's pick for a surprise result. Yeah, I mean, look to get out of the group, absolutely. But I, and I think that. Would you rather have Canada play Morocco and beat them 4 nothing in the first game of the World Cup and then go and lose the next two? Like, I, I think that this is a perfect way that it's set up for them, right? You play a really, really, really good team. Yeah. And if you can hold your own, you can hold your own against them, possibly try and get a result. Then you go against Croatia. And, okay, depending on what happens in the first game, you say, okay, let's go. And then let's try and beat the Croatian team. And then just kind of see what happens against Morocco. So I really like the way the draw is set up for Canada. I know a lot of people are saying, okay, maybe it should be the other way. I wish we were playing this, going the out and the other. But I don't know. I, I really like the way that this is set up for them. Well, these short tournaments are all about uh, trying to yeah. build some rhythm, right? And building up towards a Morocco match, I feel like, is better than sliding down towards a Belgium match or a Croatia match. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Well, it's that's... Also, uh, it's also their first game first. It's also their first game too. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh Let's get back to uh, the Vancouver Canucks here. Uh, getting ready on a game day. Look, there's there's lots going on. I know there's been a lot of speculation this week of uh, will they or won't they on someone like uh, on something like Bruce Boudreau. Um, you know, timelines here are so interesting because you, you know we're barely we're we're not even at the twenty game mark for most teams across the league, and that's usually the first marker you get there. American Thanksgiving and and now teams' plans start to change as you get to the quarter mark of the season. You know, what's your sense of where the timeline for something might happen for Vancouver here? It's honestly up to Patrick Galvin and Jim Rutherford. Look, we can we can listen, we can analyze, we can discuss, and we can guess days of when things are going to happen. Bruce Boudreau was supposed to be fired yesterday. That didn't happen. He's still the coach of the Vancouver Canucks. He ran a full practice yesterday, had a morning skate and a media availability, and then he's going to coach a hockey game tonight, right? So it's not for... The Canucks going out and saying, okay, well, this is going to happen. This is what needs to happen. It's, you know, they, they still think that, you know, he can coach this team. And, and I think that, you know, they're, they're going to keep going about their business and, and, and trying, you know, string some wins together here um, and keep this thing, hopefully, trying to, try to move it forward and steer in the right direction. As far as players go, look, I, I mean, for, to make a trade, you need, you need two partners, mm-hmm. right? So it's not for the lack of trying for Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvino. I'll tell you that right now. But not at all. They're, they're, they're trying to make a trade. The problem is, I think, is some of the teams that they're involved with or engaged with right now is they're going to their players that possibly have no trade clauses and no move clauses and limited no move clauses and saying, hey, will you waive or do you want to go to, or will you go to Vancouver or will you go to Canada for that matter? And a lot of players I'm hearing are saying no. It's changed. Like, like the dynamic has, has changed now about Canada being a desirable destination for players wanting to go. And I've, you know, Elliot Friedman has said this before, and I heard it again this week as well, is that, you know, some, some of these guys that are down there, you know, their lives are good in the States. They don't want to come up here. Media, pressure, um, all, all sorts of different, obviously, things that, that have happened in, in this country over the last couple of years. They just don't want to come up here anymore. So 
it's not for a lack of trying. I, I really don't think. I think it's sometimes it's going gonna, it's gonna to be on the player if they have that no move in their contract that they just don't want to come up here. I, I and, not say, only Vancouver, and, and not only Vancouver. I'm, sure. not, I'm not isolating Vancouver as being a, a, one of those markets. I'm saying across the country. Um, I, I do want to say go back to Bruce because it, it feels like um, some of the motivation behind it is more resolution-based than actual, I don't want to say logic-based, but it, it feels like, hey, if, if you're incentivized to see a conclusion in this matter, that's where it, it feels like is driving most of this, where it, you know, I, I don't get a sense from the fans. Like, we see it all the time in the inbox. It's like, why are you guys talking about Bruce? We love him. And, and I, I, I don't get the sense that the fans are ready to move on from someone like Bruce. And to, to play that kind of card just feels like it's, it's stepping on the accelerator when you don't need to from management's point of view. Well, it's a mercy kill, if anything. Sure. Right? Like, if you do it, that's why you do it. Right? And then you better have, or you better know what your plan is. And I think that that's the biggest thing. But, again, if they're going to fire Bruce Boudreau, what's your succession plan? Is it like, yo, interim? Are you writing off the season? Do you know who is going to be your guy next year? Because I'm sure the players want to know. I'm sure JT Miller, who's going to be here for the next eight years, is going to want to know who his coach is going to be. Right? Or or a guy like Quinn Hughes or Elias Pedersen. These guys are going to want to know, and they're going to want to plan as well. So I think from a management perspective, you know, the, if, if, if your decision is right now to stick with Bruce and, and kind of see how it goes here for the next couple of weeks, then by all means do it. But for the next person, the plan is either to bring in Mike Yo or someone else on that bench to be the interim head coach, or do you have your guy that you can say it's Rick Tockett or, 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 or say it's a guy like Jeremy Colton or say it's all these different types of people but is that going to be your plan? Or are you just going to do it for two years? Are you going to do it for a year? Or what is it? And I think that that's the biggest thing. And, and I've heard it before and we'll hear it again. Like the direction of this team right now, I really don't know which way it's going. Yeah. And I look like this is a little 4D chess here for, for, for the management to play. But, you know, they've talked about instilling a new culture. And part of that is just focus and do your job, right? Like, th- that's part of the culture. Don't worry about all the distraction and the things happening around you. Just do your job. And, what? like, I, I'm curious if they're willing to absorb short-term negativity and the short-term chaos here of, of what we're talking about here and, and leaving y- your coach out to dry just for the sake of if, if the, the people that are going to focus on the job, those are the people that we want here long-term. Yeah, and I think that, well, I mean, you look at what Bruce said after the game. He said, I needed that win. I'm sure. Kidding. It. He said it obviously tongue-in-cheek, but, you know, he knows. He's not stupid. He knows exactly what's going on. You know, the guy's been around the National Hockey League for a very, very, very long time, and he's seen some things. So, um, yeah, it, the Bruce one's an interesting one because you've you got to get the next guy right. And uh, I'm of the mind that right now they're okay with him being the head coach of this hockey team, and they're going to just kind of see what happens. They're going to try and put some wins together, start with tonight against the LA Kings, and then just go from there. Um, you know, we all thought, and, and, and everyone was talking about, oh, it was going to happen this week, it was going to happen this week. It was never going to happen this week. They, like, they weren't going to do anything. So, it's, it's, just, it, it's, it's just one of those things that we're, we can all guess and see until, you know, Rutherford and, and Patrick Alvin decide to make a, decide to make a decision about um, what, what they're going to do. Then we're going to have to just wait and see what happens. Talking to Rafan Gafar from the fourth period, a Canucks insider uh, here on the People Show uh, on the players. Uh, are there because it, it, it all still hangs in the balance, and they can say, "Hey, we want to do something with Horvat, and we're 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 few million apart or whatever." Um, but does something like that hang in the balance? Because we heard a report this week of you know maybe Tyler Myers' name has been out there. 
could something circle back on if money elsewhere in the book is cleared up? Absolutely. I mean, look, I think the only two players, I mean, look, I thought it was three for a very, very long time that the players never had enough on this roster. The least better than Quinn Hughes. I mean, are they going to trade Dodger Demko? Probably not. But it's just one of those things where when they are open for business, they're open for business. They'll take calls on anyone, right? And it's not about only improving your hockey team for trying to make a change for this season, but you also have to look at the future of it, right? The future of your club, is, it's huge. It's so important to, when, when, when you're making moves right now to try and get these moves right. You know, I think that is there going to be, you know, a chance that they do end up being able to compete for a playoff spot this season? Who knows? Right now, the way that they're playing, I don't really know. Like, it's hard to tell. Unless Demko's able to, you know, get, get back to, you know, being that Thatcher Demko, then it's going to be a really, really long season. Are you going to ride Spencer Martin? Probably not, right? Because you're going to still give Demko games because he's your guy. But as far as I'm concerned uh, and what I know, there really isn't anyone on this roster that the Canucks aren't willing to take all on. You know, job one for me when, when they first came in was there was like $18 million of of inefficient money to me, and, and Hamannick was part of it, and Dickinson was part of it. So those two guys have gone out and they you know, recoup a third and, and spend a second to get rid of it. But you know, Tanner Pearson was part of that equation. Tyler Myers was part of that equation for me. Uh, Tucker Poolman was part of that equation. And it, it's, it still feels like that's still kind of job one for this management group, having been on the job now uh, almost a year. Yep, absolutely. And, and I think that it was tough because we all looked at it and said, okay, these guys are going to come and be able to try and clean this up. But it was a lot to clean up. Yeah. Like, it's a lot It's a lot for any president or any general manager. I don't care who you are to try and clean up the mess that, that was created before them. Right. So you're playing catch up from the, from the day that you were hired and yeah, they've done some, they've done some decent moves to try and to try and do things, but there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And you still have to ice an NHL team. You can trade all the players you want and try and get rid of all the money you want. But at the end of the day, you can't you know, bring up guys from Abbotsford to play all these games in the NHL when you're still trying to win hockey games at the end of the day. Talking to Irfan Gafar here, Canucks Insider from the fourth period. Uh, we'll let you go here, but uh, getting ready for, for, for NFL weekend. Uh, I always have to ask you about Broncos uh, and, and, and Russell Wilson. Do you see the wristband uh, gate we this were, week? We were, it was going so well for us, Nick. <laughs> it really was. I, I always enjoy so well. asking you about Russell Wilson. Why? Just because it's fun. You know what the worst part about, like, no, no, not only me, about everyone else is, I think you and I, since the inception of this radio station, have talked about it. Have, we just, you just know. You can, you can see it. As from being a fan of the Seattle Seahawks and, and watching them in press conferences and this and that, and you know, I was fortunate enough to be able to cover them for a long time, you just knew this dude was like that. It's a different I, dude. I, okay, I, I've always oh, accepted. I knew. I knew. I, I've always accepted he's a different dude. But I feel like there's a bit more chaos every single week. It's like now it's the wristband and he's wearing it at the podium. It's like, what, like, what are you doing? Why are you buying into the, like, you're feeding into something that doesn't need to exist. 100%. He's the second most calculated athlete after LeBron James right now. Everything he does has a reason for it now, whether it's good or bad. And a lot of it right now. Like everything that he's doing right now is good, or, or for him, it, in his mind, is good, except for the football field. That's what's terrible. Is it though? It, it feels like everything he's touching right now. He's he's like the reverse Midas. Everything he touches right now turns into like copper instead of gold. <laughs> man, people, I look. I thought Denver was going to be ridiculous this year too. Oh man, the, the thing is, it's like he chose 
It, like when when Brady chose Tampa, he got Bruce Arians, right? When Stafford chooses the Rams, he got Sean oh, McVay. True. When he chose Denver, he got Nathaniel Hackett. And I, I just wonder no, if like when he chose Denver, he got Russell Wilson. That's what he did. <laughs> I, I, I wonder if he thought he was getting Aaron Rodgers, and it's like, hey, we got to pivot, and you're now getting <laughs> Russell Wilson. I, I, I'm here for a, a Green Bay-Denver trade all of a sudden. It's like oh, Rodgers can go not? to Denver, and uh, but, Russ can go back to Wisconsin where he played in college. Exactly. I'm in. I'm in for it. All right, man. Uh, we'll, we'll have you on next week after the World Cup match. All right, Bick. Be well. So, Fran Gafar joining us here from uh, the fourth period at Earth Gafar on Twitter. A lot there with the Canucks, uh, obviously on a Canucks game day as well, which you'll hear later today on Sportsnet 650. 7 o'clock, things get real against the LA Kings. Uh, Dan Riccio, Satyar Shaw with the pregame show, uh, which uh, I believe today is a TV day as well for uh, pregame show. And then myself and Reach on the intermissions, myself and Sat uh, on your drive home from the game or wherever you are on a Friday night to be part of the postgame show as well. All right. Every Friday we do it during the football season. It is Big Six. Good teams win. Great teams cover. Take it to the house. It's Big Six. 32-25-3. and three. Quick math. That's 56.1%. Last week, 3-3. Three and three. Uh, I think maybe a fortunate 3-3. Three and three. I'll, I'll eat uh, some L's on that one. Uh, but nevertheless, we march on to the next one. A, a good year so far at 56.1%. Starting with the Bears, plus three at the Falcons. We did this on Guess the Lines. I was surprised at a full field goal here. It's bad teams. I'll take the points. You get a Fields revenge game, kind of, but not really. Atlanta passing on Justin Fields, and now he's firing, uh, hoping we get a charged-up version of the QB who's just breaking records right now, rushing the ball. Uh, but also slowly getting that offensive, uh, the, the passing game uh, alongside to an NFL standard from where they were at the beginning of the season. Falcons defensively, they've had their issues recently, getting lit up by the Panthers on a short week last week, but they've given up 34 to them on the week before. Big thing for the Bears, they need to protect against big plays. They have their issues in the run game. How will the Falcons try to attack that? That's the thing the Bears need to slow down. But I'll take the points. Bears win 28-20. Steelers, plus three and a half versus the Bengals. There's something about the Steelers when TJ Watt is in the lineup. It gets constantly overlooked. We played the uh, Steelers last week. It paid off. Minka comes back as well. Minka Fitzpatrick. You get no Jamar Chase for the Bengals. How are you going to threaten the Steelers down the field? Obviously, T. Higgins is still there, but you need more weapons for this Bengals offense. I get a divisional home dog that loves playing spoiler with a good coach and obviously their marquee player back in the lineup. I'll take the points. It's an ugly one. Steelers win 20-17. to 17. Stop. I heard you with my power ranks. Dom's laughing behind the case. I, I know that one's coming, all right? I, I know that one's coming. Uh, I heard you on the power ranks. I was too high on the Bills. I'll do this. This is the last week I'm taking the Bills. If they don't cover the spread, not even win the game, if they don't cover, they have to get downgraded to that stage. Bills minus seven and a half versus the Browns. It goes to the Dome. I know there's practice issues and all that sort of stuff, but the Dome is great for Josh Allen. He's 4-0 in Domes with a 77% completion percentage. Yes, he's been turning the ball over a ton so far this season. Number one quarterback at that. 
But you know what the perfect tonic for that? The Browns defense. They cannot generate turnovers. They're near the bottom of the league in turnovers per drive. I think they've quit as well in this season after that Miami loss. That was their chance to get back into the AFC playoff race. They get whooped. We were on them last week, but they're done. Now the season is about getting Deshaun Watson back. How do they play? There's still a few weeks removed till then. Until then, I'm happy to fade the Browns as I think they are cooked and the Bills have a get-right game opportunity here. They blow out the Cleveland Browns. I'm laying the points 33-17. Chiefs minus 4.5 at the Chargers. This is an opportunity. I know we talk about hey, what a big game this could be for the Chargers. This is an opportunity for the Chiefs to win the division this weekend. You can put so much distance between you and the rest of the AFC East. Look, it hasn't gone well for the Raiders. It hasn't gone well for the Broncos. Chargers have sputtered a little bit. They've got back on track, but they've had their injuries. They're not to the level that they should be. So you can effectively win the division and start focusing on number one seed. It's at LA. They have no home field advantage in LA. The Chiefs have recently had some tough times, obviously, versus the Chargers when Herbert has arrived and Staley has a good, done a good job game planning versus them. But the primary weapons here is what I'm focusing on. Mike, Al- or Mike Williams and Keenan Allen might come back, but they're dinged up. There's a couple injuries for the Chiefs on offense, but it's not Travis Kelsey. It's not Kadarius Toney. I don't care about Clyde Edwards-Hilaire getting benched. Isaiah Pacheco's a better running back. I'll lay the points here. Chiefs win 31-24. So I got a lot of flack as well in the power ranks. How low I had the Vikings. I'll trust you guys on this one. Vikings plus one and a half versus the Cowboys. Independently, if you're just rating two teams, I do think the Cowboys are better than the Vikings. However, styles make fights, matchups dictate results. I do think the Vikings are a bad matchup for the Cowboys. And I'll play them on this side. A little bit more aggressive on offense. That defense is starting to gel. They got Ed Donatell as their defensive coordinator. It's taking a little bit of time. They look slow in the beginning, but they're certainly getting a lot better. This is the chance. The Vikings want to leapfrog a bunch of teams on the power ranks. Win this game. Plus one and a half at home versus the Cowboys. It's an emotional letdown spot potentially for Minnesota coming off of that victory versus Buffalo. But you get this one. Then you get New England next week. I, if they win this one, that then for me, they're real. Uh, and finally, uh, by the way, I'll, I'll take the points in that one. Vikings in an upset, 27-24. And finally, Giants minus three versus the Lions. I just think this is a coaching mismatch. I really like Dan Campbell. Gets his teams fired up, but they've had their issues defensively. They have never really corrected that side of the ball. Can they slow down at all, the Giants? Because the Giants can move the ball, they'll win this game. But when your weakness is so bad, can the Giants produce enough offense to try to pull away? If big key here is Daniel Jones, can he protect the football? I will lay the point. It's an ugly one, but Giants win an ugly one, 20 to 13. So it's Bears plus three, Steelers plus three and a half, Bills minus seven and a half, Chiefs minus four and a half, Vikings plus one and a half, and Giants minus three for Big Six. Confession Fridays on the other side. We'll do the football preview as well. And majority owner for the Vancouver Giants, Ron Toigo, will join us here on The People Show. Welcome back to the show. It's The People Show. Bick Nazar broadcasting from the Kintech Studio, live from the Kintech Studio. Hey, coming up uh, pretty soon, 
Sunday, December 4th. Sportsnet 650 partnering up with Match Eatery and the public house uh, for Sportsnet 650 Sunday at Cascades Casino in Delta. Myself and Randy Janda and the Sportsnet 650 squad uh, on Sunday, December 4th from 1 to 5. Uh, we're going to be there for all the marquee matchups. Uh, Match Eatery and Public House offering the social traditions of a neighborhood pub with the high energy of a sports bar. Uh, stop by on Sunday, December 4th. Get a chance to win a smart speaker, some Sportsnet 650 gear. You can get to talk to uh, myself and Randy. We'll be there all day. Uh, plus, we'll have a pair of Canucks tickets and a pair of tickets to the Seahawks game. Uh, December 11th to uh, hand out. Match Eatery and Public House located at the new Cascades Casino. At BC seventeen A and Delta, Dom sixty oh five. By the way, BC seventeen. Yeah, it's a great looking casino. I drive by it every day. I can't wait to uh, check it out. Uh, since we're on the topic of football, there is someone from the six fifty people's show. Rager uh, is calling me out. Yeah, set your lineups, man. Don't be that guy. Yeah, yeah that's fine. Don't be that guy. I, I have buys this week because Trevor Lawrence is great. Uh, yeah, no, I, that's not an excuse. No, set your lineup. I, I will set my lineup. Thank you. Having a rough year, though, nevertheless. Uh, well, I mean, listen, when I'm, you're in I'm, 100 I'm, leagues. Happy for the people, yeah, that are crushing it in that league. Uh, but, yes, I will do so. Thank you, Rager, for uh, texting in. Uh, all right, a lot uh, to get to as well. Uh, we'll do Confession Fridays. You can get your submissions in 650, 650. Uh, But let's get to the NFL preview on the People Show, brought to you by the Clayton Public House. Pre-game to post-game, the Clayton Public House is your home of football. Catch all the action on 15 screens, two giant projectors, the Clayton Pub. Com. I was, you know, joking there with uh, Earth earlier about Russell Wilson. I don't know if you saw, you know, like the whole wristband gate and everything with the, with the Seahawks and Carol saying, "Hey, we, we have a guy playing off the wristband this year," and then Russell Wilson showing up uh, at the press conference at the podium with the wristband. And then the other day uh, in Denver, uh, I think we got this audio here: ninety-two point five, the altitude uh, in Denver. Tyler Columbus, former uh, former NFL lineman. Played for the Seahawks, played in Denver. Uh, was talking about you know some of the offensive struggles they've had there and what Russell Wilson is doing at the line of scrimmage. Here's what uh, Columbus in that show had to say. But I but I heard today also that it's legit mm-hmm. that that Russ has these sets of plays he wants to run, and Hackett wants him to run these sets of play. And right now, there's no compromise, or they're saying Russ is audible and out of too many of the play calls. Or I was whatever. wondering that. And someone was telling me, and I said, well, it was an audible. He threw a 66-yard touchdown. Pretty good audible, audible mm-hmm. on that one. All right, let me give you something uh, a little bit more disturbing. I'll, I'll, number one, I'll second that. That is going on. Uh, probably over the last two, three weeks, you've had Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett have their first real marital problems, uh, disagreements on on the philosophy of the offense. Uh, and there's so, there's been some behind-the-scenes conversations about those disagreements, about how they should be calling plays. More concerning to me, though, and I haven't told this on air yet, uh, because I've been, I've, been, I've been trying to get a couple people to tell me it just to make sure I felt good about it. And I've had a couple people tell me it now, and I feel good about it. I don't feel good about it, but I feel confident <laughs> in it. Russell is losing his mind out there. He's losing his mind. He, he's at the line of scrimmage using audibles from, from the Seahawks. The guys don't know what the audibles are. I, I mean, he, he's using code words. The, the guys don't know what the code words from are. The last offense. And, and they're coming back to the huddle and they're like, dude, what are, you, what are you saying up there? We don't know what the play, we don't know what that is. He, he, he's, he's, he's losing his mind right now. It, that was kind of even before you gave us some of that. Remember the Graham Glasgow play, uh, the run play. And they say, hey, he checked to something and no one knew what it was. Yes, yes. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. Yes. 
Yes. It's that was in week was that the cold? So right there it just shows you Russ put the wristband on. Put the wristband you, 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 on. You're not remembering the right play. And then suddenly uh Russ Wilson suddenly has the wristband uh, on. And I, I know, you know, Hackett came out and then uh Dalton Reisner came out and had their media availabilities and kinda, you know, downplayed it. But you know, Russ has always fashioned himself as a bit of a Drew Brees, Peyton Manning at the offensive line, and is it registering with the other group? And, man, right now the way it's working, and you heard there the the little tiff now is dealing with Hackett, and that's something Nathaniel Hackett's never done. It's one of the reasons I had some reservations. It is a first-year head coach on the Broncos, and it, there's so much talent on this team. The defense looks phenomenal. You know, They really just need to score – 18, 20 points, and they probably win the game, but they have so many struggles, and now it's another thing Hackett has to start planning outside of just, hey, the game plan for the game and trying to beat the next team. It's also, how do you manage Russell Wilson? You know, he did it in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers, but there's a lot more infrastructure. You got LaFleur. You got everyone in the entire uh, Packers front office. This is very much Russell Wilson's team. He chose Denver. They gave him the big contract. As far as power dynamics go, it's Hackett has to cater to Russ. It's not the Green Bay infrastructure that has more power than Aaron Rodgers. This is Hackett's got to go by the way of Russ's drum right now, and this could be on borrowed time already. And looking to this game right now uh, with the Raiders, interesting matchup. Part of me really wanted to take it for pick six because by all measures and every metric, Denver should win this game. But it's a team that doesn't really know what it's doing versus a team that looks like they've quit. How do you give up a 40-yard run to Matt Ryan, Raiders? Awful, awful play. And you watch that playback, there's guys jogging it out to track down Matt Ryan, partially because they can probably jog to catch up to Matt Ryan. But that looks like a team that is so dejected and out on Josh McDaniels. Is this weekend... A loser leaves town. Two first-year head coaches. Hackett versus McDaniels. If, if the Raiders lose, they're getting ready to play Seattle. Is that another loss? Playing another top 10-ish team, depending who you are. Top 10 for me, maybe top 12 for you. But suddenly, the Raiders are looking at a bleak season with Devontae Adams questionable today. Are they going to be prepared to try to beat out with you know Darren Waller out, Hunter Renfro? Are, are they going to be prepared to beat Denver, who can't get out of their own way? It, it, it's if, if you want some comedy on Sunday, that would be a game that I'd be keeping an eye on, uh, even though Dallas and Minnesota is going to be playing. But certainly uh, one that I'd be worried about, you know, Russell Wilson. When we, today news comes out, you know, one of the reasons Russ wanted to move is hey, start garnering some MVP votes, start building out that legacy, and get towards the Hall of Fame. I'm not convinced he's going to get to the Hall of Fame, but he's he's at least got to start getting MVP votes. And today comes out that voters now, traditionally it had been 50 voters, you cast one pick, and that's how it goes. Now they're going to be casting five picks, so maybe you'll start getting an MVP vote. It's not happening this year for sure, though. And if this doesn't change, Russell Wilson's got a long way back to fix his uh, legacy uh, with the Denver Broncos. Uh, also, Dom Schermatty's Jets getting ready to play the Patriots this week. I'm actually kind of excited for this game. Jets were maybe a sneaky pick for big six, but, you know, Zach Wilson, is this an opportunity coming off a bye to beat the hoodie 
in Foxborough. Jets have lost 13 straight to the New England Patriots. So you're saying they're due. At some point, that streak has to end. I don't know, But man. does it happen now? I don't have a lot of faith. It is, you know, Belichick against young quarterbacks, off of a bye himself. And, yeah, he can be some kryptonite. But we've seen recently, there's been a lot of talk. Like, this is going to be a nice litmus test game for the Patriots. There's been a lot of talk about the Patriots' offense and can they be found out. So you get a coming off a bye. Mac Jones has been terrible this season. Arguably the worst quarterback in just basic drop back this so far this season. Part of it is the offensive coordinator situation, but now with the bye to prepare for a divisional rival, how do they come out of this game? But the Jets would be a sneaky underdog play uh, if you were looking for this weekend as well. Uh, we'll go that right into the uh, the people's picks as well because I do have some Jets props I want to get into. Uh, it is time for the People's Picks, brought to you by PlayNow Sports. Every game will feel like the big game when you bet with PlayNow Sports, brought to you by BCLC. Taking Zach Wilson over passing yards, 189 and a half. And here's the reason. Christian Barrymore out for the New England Patriots. Interior pressure. If that starts to fall by the wayside for the New England Patriots against Zach Wilson, he should be able to put up yards. It's not that Zach Wilson isn't a talented passer of the ball. It's how does he manage pressure. And in the NFL, you're going to get pressure in your face. But this week, Patriots, one of their best defensive linemen, one of their best pass rushing threats out of this game. Zach Wilson, can you see it? Can you read it? Can you rip it? And start getting some big plays. Uh, Denzel Mims sightening as well. Uh, you had some stock in him from years past, but also they got some uh, explosive pass catchers. You can throw Garrett Wilson in there, Tyler Conklin. Can they get the ball downfield? 189, I don't think I'm asking too much for Zach Wilson in Foxborough. The other one I'm looking at, we talked about the Giants as well. Daniel Jones, over 34.5 rushing yards. I'm taking New York QB prop bets this week. Uh, over 34.5 rushing yards against a porous uh, Detroit Lions defense. One of the things that we're talking about with Kadarius Tony ending up in Kansas City is where are the playmakers for the Giants? They really only got three. One of them is Wandale Robinson. The other is Saquon Barkley. And the last one is Daniel Jones' legs. So over 34 and a half rushing. They got to find a way to get him involved in the game. Both of these pan out at 1.8. Zach Wilson over 189 and a half yards. And Daniel Jones over 34 and a half rushing yards. That's People's Picks brought to you by PlayNow Sports. When you choose to bet on sports at playnow.com, you're playing on the only site whose profits go back to British Columbia. Know your limit. Play within it. Last night's picks, by the way, uh, over uh, Randall Cobb. That one playing as well, so that was uh, fantastic. Uh, and also uh, Derek Henry rushing yards. Uh, the, the, the Tennessee Titans are just so, so impressive. Short week, here they go again. Just a smash mouth game, and, th and they push the Packers around. Uh, so big shout out to them. Uh, Derrick Henry, though, only ending up at uh, 87 yards, so uh, missing that one. But huge volume uh, as far as uh, carries go for Derrick Henry. Did you have any juice on Christian Watson last night? That would have paid out. That's my guy, though. I was in, big... in what, five of your 100 leagues? No, just pre-draft. I actually don't have any Christian Watson shares uh, somehow. 
Uh, That's in, a shame. In, in those dynasty leagues. I, I, I'm in some pretty sharp dynasty leagues, and some people grab Christian Watson uh, before I could. But Christian Watson, uh, I, I've, I've declared how much I enjoy watching Trey Lance. Uh, Christian Watson uh, out of North Dakota State as well. Uh, I really liked him coming out of college. Had some things to refine, uh, but starting to uh, blow up and just doing Lambo leaps left, right, and center. You can't go a quarter without making a Lambo leap right now. Again, last night uh, with a couple of tutties, uh, he's starting to break out. It, it would have been great if he caught that first pass on the first uh, play of the year for the Green Bay Packers. Would that confidence have been there already from Aaron Rodgers and could it have saved their season? Instead, uh, he drops it and Aaron Rodgers does that little smirk to the sideline. And uh, before you know it, it, uh, uh, it all blows up. Uh, this one, uh, Jeffro Hackett should call Carroll and get the audibles that Russ is calling out at the line of scrimmage. Uh, yeah, although I don't know if uh, Pete Carroll ready to help out Russell Wilson. I think that that relationship is going to take some time to uh, to heal, and we'll see it uh, rejuvenate at at some sort of reunion party when they celebrate uh, the the Super Bowl winning. Uh, Seattle Seahawks back at CenturyLink. All right, a couple more minutes here on the show with a Canucks game day as they get ready to play the uh, LA Kings. Uh, you may have heard this earlier. I think we have this clip from 32 Thoughts uh, with Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick. Uh, they were talking about the the Bo Horvat contract and just where you know some some conversations have gone for them with with Columbus and also some trades. This was from 32 Thoughts earlier this week, or sorry, earlier today, which you can catch on your local podcatcher, about uh, Columbus potentially being a destination for Horvat and what else is on the market for the Vancouver Canucks. Like, how frisky do you think Rutherford's being right now? I think he's being frisky. Like, first of all, he's frisky at the best of times. He likes to talk to people in terms of, you know, who's available and what's out there. He's a guy who certainly has no fear. I do think he's getting calls on some of his guys, Horvat. And some of the other players around there, like, you know, I heard some rumors about Columbus and, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Columbus could really use a center. Does that make sense, though, without an extension? I was just about to get there and you're thinking exactly, you know, what I'm thinking. The question is, do you believe you can sign him? Right. There's some teams he makes sense as a rental. There's other teams he doesn't make sense as a rental. And they're definitely one of them. But so that's kind of the question I'm wondering here is, is he going to be willing to do that? I I think is Vancouver going to give anybody permission to talk to him? Is Horvath going to be willing to do that? Like some players might just say, you know what? I'm willing to be traded. I can't stop from being traded, but I'm not doing anything long-term until I know exactly what the market is out there. You know, these are all questions we don't know. But there's a lot of teams out there that could use a score. There's a lot of teams out there that could use a center. And I think he's listening to everything. Like I've said before, I think their only untouchables are Patterson and Hughes. I think everybody else he'll listen to. Some guys have control. Mm-hmm. Ekman Larson has control, for example. You know, Demko, that's an interesting one. He's had a really tough start to the year. I still think it would take a ton to move him. Unless the Canucks think for some reason that his health won't recover. But I I think that's a crazy bet to make. But I I do think Rutherford's listening to a lot of stuff out there. It's uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick uh, earlier today on the 32 Thoughts podcast. And yeah, kind of touch on it with uh, Earth as well. Um, 
just the timeline of this, you know, you know, Sat and I have talked about this on the post game show as well. Just where the NHL trade marketplace is right now, as far as um, the money that's available. You know, seventy percent of the available cap space resides with four teams across the league. So if you can't make a trade with them, and they are specifically uh, incentivized to only make cash deals where they're getting uh, another asset on top trying to find trade partners across the league is kind of difficult. And, you know, f- from when Alvin and Rutherford took over, more specifically uh, Patrick Alvino, for me, job one uh, was deal with the 17-ish million dollars that isn't really available or isn't really working for you. Now, they've dealt with Jason Dickinson. They've dealt with uh, uh, Travis Hamanick. It's still going to be figuring that out deconstructing before you can reconstruct and getting the inefficient money off of your books is is the number one thing that you have to do because then you can start building it in your vision without someone else's clutter on the roster and that's been the big issue how do you start to flush out that money and you know I know Elliot says there hey all of Reckman Larson is going to be a difficult thing to deal with and all that sort of stuff uh, but they're going to have to find pr- problem or solutions to some of these problems does it result in a buyout later out this summer uh which has its major pitfalls but also some short-term gain as well because you can clear out seven million dollars can you buy a uh draft pick that way taking on a bad contract back short-term pain but these are the solutions that they're gonna have to come up with Uh, also the solutions they're probably going to talk about on canuck central as they get ready to come up next with uh, Dan Riccio and Satyar Shaw. They got Yannick Hansen on Fridays, plus the pregame show coming up at 6 o'clock on a Canucks game day versus the LA Kings here on the home of the Canucks, Sportsnet 650.